After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
With a dream in our heart It was so clear Who we were and who we were meant to be One forever, never tearing apart All united, never be divided We made a night and tied it Right from the start
Jam in the AM. Yachad done by Uri Davidi. Uh, what do we do before that? <laughs> the Yedidim Choir off of Shire Pinchas, volume number three. I don't know why that cracked me up so much. Uh, with Good Shabbos. Before that, Shlomo Simcha Motzia Sirim from Shire Pinchas, volume three. Um, L'chad Odi was done by Derech Achim. Amram Adar had Boi Kala. Sandy Shmueli with Hinei Amim Tovim. And from Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say... Good morning. JM in the AM for our Friday. It's Erev Shabbos on this January the 5th, first Friday of 2018. Um, day, what is today? Day 18. Chai. Chai Teves. Day 18 in the month of Teves. The year uh, 5778. Tavshinayin Ches. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shmos with candle lighting time 423 in the New York area. 423, your candle lighting time here in New York. Yeah. And um, what do we have? We have 10 degrees, mostly sunny weather, and a high of 19. Those of you around the world who are uh, concerned about us, we are surviving so far, thank God. I shouldn't make fun because there are people who haven't survived this storm, frankly. But uh, thank God here we're okay, and um, it is cold, and it's going to be a really, 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 really cold Shabbos, that I could tell you. It's going to be a very, very, very cold Shabbos. Um, but anyway, hopefully it'll be a wonderful, safe, and incredible Shabbos for everybody. So mostly sunny, high 19, clear tonight, low of 7. <laughs> Sunny tomorrow, a high 14 degrees. Sunday, Hask Day, uh, the Hask concert at David, Ge- David Geffen Hall at Lincoln Center. Uh, sunny with a, uh, mostly sunny rather, uh, with a high of 20 degrees on Sunday. I remember some years really, really cold and even snowy Hask concerts. So I guess this is not unusual. Although in recent years, it's been uh, relatively good weather uh, in January. Uh, but not this time around. Want to wish a mazel tov to um, a Mordechai Kaplan. Yeah, that's his name, Mordechai Kaplan. For those of you who are historians, that may have jolted you a drop. Uh, Mordechai Kaplan here in this neighborhood and to uh, Mr. and Mrs. Elliot Kaplan. Uh, the Ufruf of Mordechai is taking place this Shabbos here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. So to Deborah and Elliot Kaplan and to Mordechai and his Kala Ariella and the entire extended families. Um, we say mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Wedding is taking place uh, this coming week, please God. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, 23 minutes before 7 o'clock. The weekly update an hour from now. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us for the weekly update coming up. Reminder, you can sponsor part or all of a JM and the AM broadcast by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And I thank those who uh, who did so aggressively, Baruch Hashem, toward the end of 2017. And, of course, I thank everybody who's been doing it now as well. This week we got some wonderful contributions as well, so thank you very much. 
Daf Yomi, it is out there according to our app. He says, good morning, as do we. Listener Devora during bonus JM wrote, Nachum, today marks the birthday of Gilad Sher, one of the three kidnapped boys killed several years ago. He loved baking and cookies, and his mother has started a project where people bake and give out cookies to strangers. I was approached by elementary school kids as I left the gym and shared with my kids as we all say, of course, Li'ilui Nishmato. So there are people giving out cookies. It is pretty amazing. Um, there are people giving out uh, cookies. Le'ilunishmas Gilad. And that's beautiful. That really is beautiful. So I wanted to mention that. She commented during bonus JM early this morning. Uh, the Douglas Sokloff experience for Pesach 2018 is happening in a relatively warm place compared to where we are right now. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yes, a warm place. Uh, the Western Lake Las Vegas Resort and Spa. Information about all of it for Pesach, 1-800-826-5645. All right. I just want to paste, I want, I just want to post that on Facebook. Um, what listener Devora just told us. Let's see if we can get this to look the right way. Uh, let's see. Trying to get this to look to look right. There we go. I think that's pretty good. So now it's on my profile on Facebook. So. Uh, you can check it out. If you go to Nahum Siegel on Facebook, you'll see the exact quote from listener Devora. Um, oh, I wrote from a listener on the NSN app. I should have written from listener Devora on the NSN app. Sorry about that, Devora. Uh, but I thank you very much for that beautiful message. Uh, 6.40 in the morning, 20 minutes before uh, 7 o'clock uh, on this Friday morning era of Shabbos. I want to take this opportunity to wish a very special Mazel Tov to Shlomo Siegel of Staten Island, New York. The Gans and Siegel families are going to be celebrating this week, this coming Tuesday. And to Devorah Gans and to Shlomo Siegel, a big, big mazel tov on the big wedding coming up. And the Ufruf is happening tomorrow at the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island. So I take this opportunity to wish Mr. and Mrs. David Gans, Rabbi Mrs. Chaim Nussen Siegel, and the entire extended Gans and Siegel families, a very special Mazel Tov, and an extra special Mazel Tov, of course, to um, Shlomo Siegel of Staten Island on his big off-roof tomorrow. Looking forward to participating and uh, being there for the big event. So Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. May our families continue to celebrate many, many, many smachot together. Cool Daughter 6 says Shabbat Shalom. To uh, Shabbat Shalom from Mitzpah Yericho, and shout out to Cool Mom Six. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom. That's from the NSN app. We have some fun sometimes on the NSN app, I must say. Candle lighting at 423 in the New York area on this Arab Shabbos Parsha Shmos. A lot of people watched that Facebook video yesterday. We reached close to 11,000, and I believe the video is uh, close to 2,300 already. Um, the, the video of our Facebook uh, live. Uh, live lunch yesterday, Facebook live lunch uh, that we conducted in studio during the blizzard. And Scott Rogowski of HQ Trivia 
was our guest, and we had a lot of fun with that. So thanks to those who are watching on Facebook and who uh, appreciated the interview. A lot of people liked it very, very much. 18 minutes before the hour. More coming up. This is JM in the AM. Shimura botai divre chokma divre mishna mehatana migdole anshemuna ilela zaken aya bederechamusa kan hu amar imenani limili uzeani leatzim uzeani leatzim 
för nu sitter
רק ילד קטן, אבל מה שאז קרה, לא אשכח לעולם. בן אדם, מישהו גדול וחזק, חטף מידי ענק, שנתן לי אהבה. אוי אבא, מה תגיד? האם תסלח, האם תגביל? זה כואב לי אכזב, Brand new Simcha Liner opening up, or I should say closing out the uh, 6 a.m. hour here at JM in the AM. Hour number one complete on this uh, cold New New York City um, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Uh, Before that, you heard you throw a word to go with L'Chad Odi, Kamu Baneha. That was Yaakov Shweki, Benny Friedman, Zimena Nili Mili. Uri Davidi had Yachad off the album Halavai. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. And I thank those of you who've been supporting us, especially those who uh, really rushed toward the end of 2017. 
to uh, donate to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Much appreciated. And already this morning, I noticed that uh, a lot of people during this first week of January have done the same thing. Have already supported us at the beginning of 2018, and it's much appreciated. Galitzal in the background, candle lighting in the New York area, 423 on this era of Shabbos Parsha Shmos. Weekly update with Malcolm Honeline, 40 minutes from now. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Toe from Jam the מפגעים ברחבי הארץ בעקבות הסופה, שני ילדים פונו לבית חולים כשהם סובלים מהיפותרמיה, לאחר שרכב שקע במים ליד המושב מאור. הנה חי פנחס חובש במדע שחילץ את הילדים. כשהגענו למקום ראינו ג'יפ בתוך שולית מאוד עמוקה, שתי ילדים נמצאו על גג הרכב, בהכרה מלאה, חילצנו אותם, נכנסנו למים, לאחר מכן הענקנו להם טיפול ראשוני באמבולנס, ופינינו אותם למיון ילדים בלילי יפה. ועל מפגעים נוספים מדווחת כתבתנו מוריה אסרף. בעיר מודיעין נפל אדם בעקבות ארוחות החזקות, הוא נחבל בראשו והוא עבר לקבלת טיפול רפואי. בראשון לציון קרסו פיגומים סמוך לבניין מגורים, אין נפגעים. במשטרה התקבל דיווח אודות רכבים תקועים בכביש 5803. נהגים שהיו בכלי הרכב חולצו, שוטרים במקום מבצעים הכוונה, הכביש סגור. עצים קרסו במוקדים שונים, בין השאר בתל אביב, רמת גן ואשקלון. נזק קל נגרם למכוניות, לא ידוע על נפגעים. וגשמים יוסיפו לרדת מהצפון ועד הנגב בהפוגות גדולות יותר, מלווים ברוחות עזות, סופות רעמים ומתחי ברד, בחרמון יורד שלג, עם כמות המשקעים שכבר ירדה, כתבתנו אינה אנטונוב. שיא המשקעים במערכת הגשמים הנוכחית בגלעד באזור הכרמל, שם ירדו 105 מילימטרים, בצפת ירדו 92 מילימטרים, בחיפה ירדו בין 70 ל-90, בכנרת 40, בתל אביב בין 27 ל-40, בירושלים 7 מילימטרים בלבד עד כה, ובאילת חצי מילימטר בלבד. ואם עשינו סיפור מהמערכת החורפית המאוחרת כאן, שימו לב, בארצות הברית נערכים למינוס 40 מעלות. אלפי טיסות בוטלו ויותר מ-100 אלף בתים נותקו מחשמל. תנועת חמאס מסכימה למסור את נשקה לרשות הפלסטינית, אך מציגה תנאים. כתבנו לעניינים ערביים, ג'קי חוגי. העיתון הערבי על חייט שיוצא לאור בלונדון מדווח הבוקר כי חמאס מוכנה לדרישת אבו מאזן, שלטון אחד, נשק אחד. אבל רק אחרי שתיכנס כשותפה מלאה באש"ף. בעוד תשעה ימים תתכנס המועצה המרכזית של אש"ף, נציגי חמאס הוזמנו להשתתף בוועידה. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת שמות, בתל אביב, 4 ו-28 דקות, בירושלים, 4 ו-14 דקות, בחיפה, 4 ו-17 דקות, בבאר שבע, 4 ו-32 דקות. אלה זמני צאת השבת, בתל אביב, 5.31 דקות, בירושלים, 5.30 בדיוק, בחיפה, 5.29 דקות, ובאר שבע, 5.33 דקות. שתהיה שבת שלום לכולנו. אלה החדשות שעורכת תמר פלד, על הביצוע הטכני, יאיר בשן. Oh, do no. 
Bish feel I call for this amazing world we live in. Bish feel I call and every day you are rebuilding it. Bish feel I call from the sunrise to the cool moonbeams. Bish feel I call anach no more dim. Bish feel I call anach no more dim.
That's right. Even with digital radio, sometimes you go off the air, just like in uh, terrestrial radio. We had a little bit of a technical problem. Uh, ZK to the rescue. want to thank ZK. want to thank Avrami, of course. want to thank everybody who diligently uh, jumps and leaps into action the moment there's a, a slight technical problem or a, or a serious technical problem. 
We greatly appreciate their assistance and uh, their leadership. So thank you. And um, uh, now I think we are uh, we are back on. We are strong. We are rolling, and we are ready for a uh, second half of a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. And I thank, of course, all of you for tuning in and being part of this amazing listening experience. If you would have been privy to everything we've been playing in the studio <laughs> over the last few minutes. Uh, well, that was Shalshelis, and we're going to hear another one from Shalshelis in a second. Brand new from an album entitled uh, Home, opening selection, Coming Home. And um, Shalshelis is going to be in our studio this coming Monday, a live, <coughs> excuse me, a live music alert. Excuse me, a new music alert Monday, a new music alert Monday. With um, Shalshelis in studio here at JM in the AM. They'll be here in the 8 o'clock hour. New Music Alert Monday. Uh, this coming Monday with Shalshelis in studio. Derek Achim before that with Imesh Gachech. He heard RJ2 with Bishvil Hakol. Bowie Kahlo is Micha Gammerman. Simchas Olam brand new from Chaim David Burson here at JM in the AM. 10 degrees, mostly sunny, high temperature of 19. Reminder, the Douglas Sokolov experience for Pesach 2018 happens at the Westin Lake Las Vegas Resort and Spa. If you haven't yet checked it out, call for information at 1-800-826-5645. 1-800-826-5645. You can also go to the website, SokolovExp.com, S-O-C-L-O-F. EXP.com. Want to wish a Mazal Tov to Shlomo Siegel of Staten Island, New York. Big Ufruf takes place tomorrow to the Gans and Siegel families and to Devora and Shlomo. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM and the big upcoming wedding. Candle lighting 423 on this uh, Erev Shabbos in New York City on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shmos. Malcolm Honline. Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us for a uh, weekly update coming up at 7.40 Eastern Time here at uh, JM in the AM. And the Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15 and plenty more until 9 o'clock. And then Naomi Nachman with Table for Two. Mark Zamek with the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Show. Starting at 10 a.m., perfect way to prepare for Shabbos. We've got a lot going on. A lot of people off from school today in this area. If you're off from school or if you're not off from school, thanks so much for tuning in to JM in the AM. Bishamashishikadash,
Shout! 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning with candle lighting at 423 here in New York on this era of Shabbos. Achenu with Bosch Shabbos. You heard Yibana. That was Shalshelis off of the album Home. Remember, Shalshelis is here for a new music alert Monday on J.M. in the A.M. That's right. This coming Monday, 8 a.m. Shalshelis in studio. Looking forward to that. On table for two today, Naomi Nachman starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. She'll host Gil Chovav, Israeli food journalist. Also Miriam Schreiber from Miriam's Legacy Tours. And Des Dahlia, dough master at Broad Street Dough Company. All with uh, Naomi on table for two coming up 9 o'clock Eastern time. Erev Shabbos show with uh, Mark Zamek, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Begins at 10 a.m. No better way to prepare for Shabbos, that's for sure. It is Erev Shabbos Parsha Shmos. Um, want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com, continuing to use a whole bunch of our content 
and their brilliant news feed that you should be checking out every single day. Go to OnlySimchas.com. Again, OnlySimchas.com. Hass concert begins at 7 p.m. this coming Sunday. It's a switch after 30 years. Hask 31 will begin at 7 p.m. Eastern time on stage at the David Geffen Hall, Lincoln Center. Make sure to be uh, in your seats by then. Looking forward to a great Hask concert. And Yashikov yeah, to everybody out there for selling it out and making another great success. Always an amazing feeling. Look forward to speaking to you from the stage at Lincoln Center this coming Sunday night. Should be amazing. Malcolm Honeline will join us next. Weekly update is on the way if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. Shabbat Shalom. 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 Shabbat Shalom.
Yehuda Solomon and Company with a selection known as the Kalbach Vishamru. Appropriately so. Friday morning broadcast, Erev Shabbos Parsha Shmos with candle lighting at 423 in the New York area. 423, the official candle lighting time here in the uh, New York area. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's supposed to be really cold tonight and over Shabbos, it's the, at least if you're in this area of the country. <laughs> Actually, I think we could say if you're in this country, <laughs> the way the temperatures are going across the United States. So be extra careful and be forewarned. By the way, if you're in Israel, lots of rain in Israel right now with uh, stormy weather and in some areas, uh, unsafe conditions. Uh, because of the storm and uh, and wet weather and winds, etc. So be careful no matter where you are, of course. Wishing everybody the best through all the difficult weather situations. Although in Israel, of course, we are happy to hear at least that there's rain over the uh, last week. That's for sure. Want to take this opportunity. Wish a mazel tov to Shlomo Siegel out on Staten Island. And his Kala Devora Gans. The big Ufruf taking place is coming Shabbos tomorrow at the new Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island. To the extended Gans and Siegel families, we say Mazal Tov. Looking forward to the big event in uh, Staten Island tomorrow, and then, of course, uh, later in the week for the big wedding. So we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM. And I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas.com continuing to use our content for amazing stories that they feature on their uh, news feed. In addition to all the great Simcha news, go to OnlySimchas.com and check them out every single day, OnlySimchas.com. Plus... Our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, we've said it and we continue to say it. If you want to print out hundreds of great articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos, go to JewishWorldReview.com. Do just that. Check them out every single day, not just Friday. And you'll see they have a whole comprehensive uh, collection of articles, etc., etc. I want to thank those who um, rounded out 2017 for us uh, with great donations to the uh, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, FJBUnity.org. People continue to do so even now. At the beginning of 2018, much appreciated, uh, including the Honeline family, who, uh, and that means a tremendous amount to us, who uh, found it appropriate to uh, support our work, despite the fact that we bother Malcolm for hours upon hours collectively uh, <laughs> every single year. Um, uh, so please, if you haven't get yet given, uh, take the uh, uh, follow the lead rather of uh, community leaders and others who understand the importance of keeping this program going and our network going, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us on this cold Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you. 
enjoying the heat wave. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, good to hear it is raining is real, thank God. Thank God Very for that important. at least. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, but everyone should stay safe, and no matter where everybody is, uh, they should be extra careful with these difficult weather conditions. Speaking of Israel, um, a message got back to me from somebody who's very close to the situation. I'm sure you've heard this message already, uh, but it's so important, and it really opened up my eyes uh, to an extent, and that is that um, as the President of the United States witnesses the Jewish community uh, celebrating and being in jubilation for different circumstances, no criticism, just an observation, uh, it, it, it seems, according to some observers, that he might be slightly perturbed that the Jewish world collectively has not celebrated his decision regarding Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and the future home of the U.S. Embassy in Israel uh, nearly as much. So I take this opportunity even weeks later to remind everybody that their letters and their emails and whatever celebrations communities want to come up with are appropriate and appreciated in Washington. I'm sure you agree. I agree completely. We've talked about this now since uh, since the decision, and you see those who still criticize, although it's diminished greatly. Uh, you saw the session of the United Nations, the vote, uh, 128 to 9. We saw the... But what doesn't get attention is that almost a third of the members of the Congress of the U.N. abstained or absented themselves or the nine who voted against. And that pursuant to the vote, so far about 10 countries have indicated an interest in or even more about moving their embassies to Jerusalem. And they deserve our support, countries like Romania, which has proposed it, and uh, Paraguay, and to encourage them to move ahead with uh, what what they decided, Czech Republic, Honduras, all ought to be hearing from us. And we sent out a leadership action network, and we're happy to send it to anybody who wants can contact the Conference of Presidents' office at 212-318-6111, and we will send you the LAN, which includes the addresses, everything in one page, what you have to do. But the the showing of to the administration is still important. I think many people did, more than uh, people have gotten on the bandwagon. If everybody who told me that, that more should be done did it, <laughs> we would we'd have already had a great response. That's true. But it, 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 it's also um, the, the you know, in the winter it's hard to have public gatherings, but I know many synagogues, many rabbis spoke about it, and that even some of the naysayers at the time of the decision have since reverted their positions and and modified and been supportive, especially during the U.N. vote, at the time of the U.N. vote. Uh, This is an issue of consensus in Israel. It doesn't mean 100 percent, but certainly across the board of the major political parties and and the public expressions that it's it's been supported, as any rational person, uh, Jew, should, uh, because it is not a challenge and it is not a threat. It's a recognition of our historic claim of and writing a wrong that has been allowed to, to fester for for too long. So hopefully some people will start moving the, the, into Jerusalem, uh, that the effort to build an embassy will begin in earnest there. Uh, but the reaction of the Palestinians and the obstinacy and the threat of the administration 
to finally hold them to account and to say, we're not going to give you money. We're not going to give $300 million a year to UNRWA for Palestinian refugees who should have been out of the camps and settled decades ago. Uh, we're not going to allow you to lie about us and insult the United States and, and certainly to attack Israel. We're not going to allow you to find go to international bodies to bypass negotiations. You come to the table or there'll be a price to pay. Uh, I, I got to go back for a second. I do want to speak about UNRWA, et cetera, but I, I got to go back for one second. You, you just said, and I want you to reiterate, if in fact I got this right, there are there are people in leadership positions uh, what I gather from what, the way you said it, in Jewish organizations and in other areas of Jewish life who may have reacted in somewhat of a negative way when the president made his announcement about the policy change regarding Jerusalem, who now have in some way come around and are more supportive, whatever that means, of what he did and are more in line with, I think, what you would describe as the you know, traditional Jew- Jewish reaction to his announcement regarding Jerusalem. Do I have it right? Yes. Wow. Exactly. That's amazing. And nobody know, would know this better than you from your position. That's amazing. That's great. That's wonderful news. Now, now we now we get to speak about, as you just brought up, we get to speak about the president's um, uh, declaration regarding, well, the declaration, his analysis of the situation of the United States supporting UNRWA and also supporting the PA, et cetera. So first, let's do the PA first. Uh, it sounds like a threat. It sounds like the president of the United States threatened this week that if they don't get back to the negotiating table or if they don't at least show some type of desire to uh, to restart the peace process on their part, he's ready to cut off all funding. What is this a veiled threat, a serious threat? How would you classify it? I don't think it's a threat. I think it's an assertion of American policy that you cannot have it both ways, that you cannot uh, insult us, you cannot violate uh, and... and uh, make the statements that you've had, lie about the United States, attack it, claim that, that the, what the administration did is different than what they actually did, and to, at the same time, reap the rewards of the relationship with the United States, meaning the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. But think of the president, the Taylor Force Act, right. which would cut funds and enjoys broad bipartisan support in Congress, cut funds for, for the continued incitement, the honoring of martyrs, the money that they say, take from, uh, from the budget, to hundreds of millions of dollars each year to pay terrorists and those in prison or, the mar- or those who were killed and you know, claim them to be martyrs and give their families uh, houses and all sorts of things, that these things are, there are ample precedents. And that's America. It's a legitimate uh, right of a country to determine where their money goes and how their, it is used, and to give it to friends and to say, look, we have limited money. If you know, if you are going to pursue policies that are both contrary to the interests of the United States of our allies, to incite against the United States, we're going to we're going to extract a toll for it. Right. And and look, we think of the consequences, and and you know, we don't want the burden to fall in Israel. We don't want to see the complete disruption. You know, we do give some money to to directly to projects. They didn't talk about eliminating it. They're talking about a cutback. Right. And Abbas, as did Arafat, never cared about the consequences for his people. You know, their kleptocracy goes on. They get they're cut off the top, and the money that they and their families steal. It's it's a major issue. The kleptocracy in, in for the Palestinian people who care and who've spoken out against it. And uh, and as you notice, the reaction in the street has diminished so much despite the incitement right. and that uh, dissipated much quicker than anybody had anticipated that the United States wants the negotiations to go on 
uh, I think a lot of people would be skeptical about w- what you're going to negotiate at this point, but they they want the, the uh, talks based on the, the principles that the president's enunciated and, uh, to go ahead, and they are going to use their leverage to get it. Procedurally, is it a unilateral decision? Does it have to go through Congress, a cut in aid like this, or any type of significant reduction? No, the administration can do it. We, we have cut aid in the past. Um, in over the uh, incitement issue and over other things, and you know we impose sanctions on countries. No, administration has a lot of leeway to do these things. And on the UNRWA, I would assume it's the same thing that it, uh, that you know it's it's essentially the White House decision about whether they should continue right. funding it or not. Um, the reaction from Israel, at least according to the New York Times, has been very interesting. Uh, it seems that uh, members of the administration in Israel and others would discourage the U.S. from cutting off that UNRWA funding. Uh, what, what's the truth? Well, some of the uh, objections uh, are based on the fact that, that these, the money goes for food and for, you know, to, to, um, for basic needs, and that the fund, some of the funding is given specifically for projects which Israel encourages, such as, and, and including money that goes into to Gaza. Remember, eight, 900 trucks a day go into Gaza with aid, and that that this uh, without it you could face really uh, severe and dire consequences Israel often is the one that has to come to the aid of the pal- of the Palestinians when they have their infighting and the PA wanted all the electricity cut off in Israel you know tried to mitigate that a little bit um eventually the electricity was cut because Abbas said he wasn't going to pay for it anymore and again you know they let the people suffer for their political uh, crises and, and uh, conflicts. Uh, so Israel has to look at this in an objective way, and you have to realize that there are consequences sometimes that have to be taken into account. All right, so the impression is that the majority of that money, maybe I'm wrong about majority, is used for for food, water, etc., and, and therefore, you know, one has to look at it very carefully before cutting before cutting those payments. Well, you know, the threat always is that the PA says, you know, we're going to close down, we're going to shut it, and then the burden falls on Israel because it is legally in charge of the legal authority there. I mean, there are debates about that, but the, 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 there are consequences that, um, that Israel has to take into account, the situation on the ground. And uh, as, long as, as long as they continue to, um, uh, to fund them, is, is it... Is it- Detrimental to Israel politically, for it, it, let's put it this way, for those members of the Israeli administration who would like the world to acknowledge that there is no refugee problem, at least not the way that the PA and others describe it, is, is it bad to have you know refugee funding uh, exist? You know, just politically, the way it sounds, the way the the impression that's given out there. Look, the whole the whole system is is corrupted and warped. The fact that you have special units in the United Nations, which are really just propaganda machines against Israel, and that you have uh, an article of the Human Rights Council, you have all these things. You see the Human Rights Council not convening over what's going on in Iran, but it's still convening regularly and, and focusing on Israel. So the um, uh, the whole question of the refugee issue and the whole sustaining of this for all of these decades when it long should have been resolved. Right. Um, yet yeah, you're right. It goes to the core of the issue is, is, uh, is problematic. Uh, but then you're talking about the humanitarian right, yeah. consequences and stuff, which again, 
You know, it's the burden of the Palestinian Authority. They should, all, all the United States is asking them is come to the table. They didn't ask them for any concessions. They didn't ask them for anything else. And frankly, the president made some strong statements about saying, look, I, I made this move on Jerusalem. I could have essentially squeezed the Israelis, and uh, you, you, you passed up the opportunity. Uh, the Central Committee of the Likud Party has voted unanimously to endorse exercising Israel's sovereignty over Judea and Samaria. I, I, I couldn't believe when I found that they had not done this in the past already, frankly. I mean, it is the Likud Party after all. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Likud is the, the government and, the, 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 you know, there are all sorts of bills that people are introducing now on political grounds, maybe because they think elections are coming, maybe because they're, you know, looking for succession and future leadership positions. Um, but, uh, the, uh, I mean, this has been introduced before. Uh, the United States will weigh in, I think, and others will. So we'll have to see if this actually gains the force of law. Does it change but anything if it gets I, no, the force? No, I don't think it changes much on the ground. So it's a symbolic, and as you just pointed right. out, it could be a political move to make a statement as we get closer and closer to elections. Symbolism which... is still important. Right. Uh, sometimes, you know, these kind of steps uh, are important to, to assert the rights and what the expectation is, but it doesn't change what the fundamental policies have been. Break the news to me now. How close are we to Israeli elections? <laughs> is it still a couple of years away or not? Well, uh, I mean, the election would start next year anyway, but the no matter what. Uh, there are people who are talking about it earlier, uh, and some are maneuvering as if it's going to be earlier, but nobody knows. Uh, it depends on the outcome of the investigations. It depends, you know, whether will an indictment, if one is forthcoming, be sufficient reason for, to force somebody to step down. As you know, the new laws would change that as well, uh, that a sitting prime minister it can't be investigated until they're out of office. And um, uh, the interpretation now is also that the indictment is not sufficient. You need a conviction before they would have to leave. And, and these investigations, as you see, drag out for many months. Oh, yeah. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app, uh, Friday morning broadcast with Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. All right, we go to Iran. Uh, you got to explain the situation. So first of all, what precipitated these protests and demonstrations? It's been, I think I read, uh, seven, eight years <clears throat> since demonstrations, the size and <clears throat> with the enthusiasm and momentum of these. Why now? So there are a lot of uh, reasons that are being put forward. There are people in Iran who are trying to manipulate this to say this was a move by the hardliners. It was moved by the Rouhani forces against the hardliners. It started in the grassroots. This, as opposed to the demonstrations in 2009, this one did not start in the big cities in Tehran, Shiraz. This one started in periphery, peripheral areas. It started um, uh, in Qum and in um, uh, Mashhad and other places where it was surprising they did, because that was generally areas of strong support for, for Khomeini. Uh, 
and it spread quickly. It's, it, uh, last time it was in the major cities. Now it was in more than 20 cities at a time, and many more people participated. Hundreds of thousands uh, demonstrated, and interestingly, the economic issues clearly were, were a major issue. They, they got no benefit out of the Iran deal, as they were all promised, and as the previous administration said would, would happen, and we all warned that none of that money would ever reach the people, that it would go to you know, the the leadership who control 40% of the economy, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, the Khamenei's, uh, the Supreme Leader's household, they all get the benefit, and, and, the, and it, it benefits people in Tehran, government officials, but it didn't seep down to the people. Unemployment amongst youth is over 40%. Uh, as I reported here a long time ago, that we heard that campuses are half empty, that uh, young people are rebelling against the mullahs, and they were yelling death to the dictator, which is unheard of, because this could carry a death penalty. More than two dozen people have been killed in these demonstrations. Uh, but the government has been restrained in its response because they fear that that would set off even a greater response. And we'll have to see if they bring in some of the forces, foreign forces like Afghani fighters and others that were in Iraq and in Syria. Uh, the Basiji who are very extreme, uh, the Iran Revolutionary Guard and drive around on motorcycles and beat up people and kill, have been reluctant. And they they uh, they don't want to kill their neighbors, so you, you bring in people from other cities to do it because it's easier to kill people you don't know wow. and, don't, and can't be held accountable for uh, the crimes you commit. So th- this started in, in these cities, and it extended for, for days with, as I, I would say, a more limited response there is a greater crackdown now. We have to haven't gotten the reports yet of what happened after the Friday prayers today, which is now. We should be getting uh, any minute reports. The stories that they circulated the demonstrations were over are not true. They may have been diminished, but they're not over. And remember, this is the winter time when it's harder to get people out in the streets. And they yelled, "We will not die for Gaza. We will not die for Lebanon. We will die for Iran. Leave Palestine." The objection to the billions that have been spent in Syria and elsewhere rather than on the domestic economy. So it is a serious movement. It tells you that people are tired of the theocracy and of the economic deprivation, that they see Iran engaged in all these wars and all these conflicts and sending money all over the world and and that they are paying the price for it. So it, it, is a, uh, it is a serious um, development. We will have to see how far it goes. There are elections coming up in, in the spring, early spring from in Iran. Uh, there's a lot of always manipulation before those elections take place. But I would say that this was a grassroots expression that is of a different quality than what we saw before. So people would rather fund the government fund their their food and shelter than than fund the takeover of the entire Middle East and the, and the support for terrorist groups and right. for uh, other things and they other you know activities in Syria particularly which has been very expensive for them and in Yemen um, and people do know about it despite the control of the media we see that the internet played an important role and the government is shutting down a lot of the internet sources are trying to interfere with social media. U.S. reaction to all this? Has been very good. The president spoke out right away, the administration did, as opposed to both the two previous administrations, which uh, during the Bush administration and Obama administration, when the secretaries of state, uh, Colin Powell and then Hillary Clinton, 
in similar circumstances said we don't get involved in family disputes, we don't get involved in family fights, and uh, essentially sent the message to that demoralized uh, the movements. And this time the reaction was, we stand with you, we support you. The United States is asking, uh, and others may be asking for a Security Council meeting, for Human Rights Council to be convened, wow. at least to send messages of support to them. And Hopefully, we'll also send them what they need. One is that our broadcasts, the Voice of America, others, are, uh, the Iranian radio broadcast, uh, should be uh, re- reformed. We, we, you know, in many cases, they're, they're broadcasting messages supportive of the government and against some of our, uh, Iran's neighbors who are pro-American have been taking the brunt of their criticism. So hopefully, that will be reformed, and we will see them sending messages of support to the to the people inside Iran that the United States um, can find other ways. It's not military intervention or troops or it's uh, fax machines. And and, and mostly right now it's moral support. You have union leaders, union members, uh, students, uh, workers who who formed the nucleus of this. And then it moved to the bigger cities. And there, you know, you can reach people. One of the unions that was not very supportive would be the uh, European Union (laughs) because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because because, because European countries uh, criticized the way the U.S. Uh, responded to all this. Well, they're under, uh, they're, first of all, their lack of response, you know, their obsession with Jerusalem and their willingness even to vote <laughs> against the United States at the U.N. over right. the Jerusalem issue shows the, the moral bankruptcy and the distortion of, uh, of what's happening in the EU, all of which is going to spell its own doom uh, over time. But it, 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 people say it's a you know, play to the domestic Muslim populations. It's uh, you know, against the United States because they don't like Trump or whatever. Uh, but the, the fact here, this has nothing to do with the United States. Why are they not there speaking out in support of the Iranian people, and at least to protect their rights, the rights to speak out, the right to protest? There have been minor statements, but most of them, or many of them, have big economic investments in Iran. They, they have been signing contracts which are going to be harder and harder to implement. The United States hopefully will will introduce more sanctions, that we will see a systematic approach. This is not just, uh, you know, uh, instant reactions. We need to have a coherent policy, and as many countries as possible. You see the Russians took a fairly lukewarm reaction, the Chinese also, uh, to to the events. Obviously, they're going to support Iran, uh, but I think the, you know, people have to look into these things very carefully to see uh, exactly what it means. And and, uh, key figures like Soleimani has not been seen and not been heard throughout this time. Uh, Whether there may be a coup, maybe they will try to take over. It could be various forces at at work. At least that's some of the speculation uh, that we have seen. Uh, And we'll only know with time whether any of those are true. Uh, speaking of reaction, by the way, Jerusalem Post, Prime Minister Netanyahu's statement in support of the Iranian protesters on Monday was the most widely watched video he has ever posted on Twitter, more than 2 million views. Pretty amazing. You think he hesitated to come out publicly for them? Well, there is always a, a, a debate about uh, coming out publicly, um, especially because, you know, we have a Jewish community there. They are very concerned. They have stayed out of this, right. uh, they, and they want to be low-key. Um, 
they the, uh, and especially in the aftermath of the attacks in the synagogues last week in, in Shiraz. So the, they are not a factor in this, but the uh, government, of course, says this is a U.S.-Saudi-Israeli plot, and there is a debate whether Israel should be out there speaking out, because that just reinforces it, or, uh, as the case can be made in the contrary, that, in fact, Israel shows the people that they care, that they're there, when the EU and all these other uh, factors are, are not standing up for them. And the prime minister, you know, the Iranians have never hesitate to attack Israel, to <laughs> criticize Israel, to interfere. And the prime minister's message was one of support and, and highlighting, and as he did before, I think, Christmas, uh, the plight of the Christians in Iran, and again now. And the Internet has given him a, a platform where he can speak to the Iranian people, and the fact that millions have, have watched it tells you that there's an audience for it. it might, they may all be in Israel, but right. they... Um, but the fact is that Iranians, uh, I did a, the first uh, message to Iranians years ago, and it got a tremendous response. And I'm, you know, it's far from somebody who has a platform like the prime minister. Uh, Iranians are on the Internet. They're, they're listening. They have the ability now to bypass some of the restrictions that are imposed. So the social media is very key right now. And then when Natan Sharansky says that we have a moral obligation in the West to support the Iranian protesters, I mean, who, who would know more about what, what world reactions should be for people who are oppressed than he? Well, he draws the link to the to, uh, Soviet dissidents, the Russian mm-hmm. Jews, um, who, uh, who drew such strength from the messages. And even he told me in the Gulag he knew about the Solidarity Days we organized. I mean, he knew everybody's mm-hmm. name. He knew what we did. He knew in such detail that I, I was taken aback. And so were others, you know, about every one of the weird demonstrations we organized and all of the, the manifestations and the, the showdowns we had with Russians. Yeah. Well, and he-, he says, look, people in these circumstances need to know they're not alone. He didn't know as much as the KGB knew about you, Malcolm, but he did know a lot. You're right. Yeah, but I think they used to, you know, make sure that they that they used the information to try against them. But uh, that's true. The KGB knew a lot. Yeah, they certainly did. Um, could you uh, could you explain this uh, situation with ISIS and uh, and Hamas? Uh, they released this 22 minute video, a threat against Hamas, uh, that ended, you know, with this brutal image of the uh, of the beheading. Um, one would think, from the perspective of peace-loving Westerners, that ISIS and Hamas are much closer than than than, uh, than the impression we're getting. What is the beef that ISIS has with Hamas? Uh, it's halal beef. The, the, um, <laughs> Very good. The, yes, I know. Thank you uh, <laughs> for this hour. Um, look, Hamas and ISIS have worked together. Hamas um, took in a lot of the... ISIS fighters from the, from the Sinai would come to Gaza to be treated uh, for R&R, for, um, uh, and weapons were going back and forth between them when the weapons coming from Libya through Gaza to get to the Sinai, to uh, ISIS. And then there were a number of uh, development where, where Hamas has tried to draw away because it's something they promised in Egypt when they went for the negotiations, if you remember, between them and Egypt brokered negotiations with the PA, but also because they're trying to get into good graces of the PA, which has cut off of the Egyptians, which is, which cut off the tunnels and the supply routes and the um, 
and you know really put a lot of pressure uh, on them and and they also have cut back the, the, and there's been a cutback in funding although we believe Iran may be putting more money in and Turkey more but they're looking to the future and and the um, so the conflict with with ISIS has to do with their cutting back on the cooperation uh, between ISIS and uh, and Hamas <coughs> and ISIS then started supporting Islamic Jihad and uh, other groups there and there are people who think that ISIS wants to take over in Gaza and Hamas obviously wants to prevent it hard for i mean again the, 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 these differences these political uh you know schisms are so uh, difficult i think for you know for, for regular people to understand because it seems like uh, all of them are bloodthirsty terrorists who you know essentially want to take over the middle east you'd think if they worked in cooperation with each other they may accomplish more who knows but I guess it's not in their best interest. It is not in their best interest. Well, it depends on their interests are never the interests of the people. It's always right. what the leadership wants and what serves their ideological and extremist ideological ends. Hey, is Bitcoin and uh, and cryptocurrencies going to be a method for governments to uh, hide from the U.S. Uh, uh, you know, financial gains, etc., that may have come from uh, what we would call sanctioned activity? Absolutely. One of the concerns that is being raised is that this is a way to, to hide it. It's very hard to trace it. Uh, and um, I think that the governments will crack down on it because it, it becomes a way to bypass sanctions uh, and uh, even for criminal activity, too. People hide income, et cetera. And governments do have the uh, capability of uh, cracking down on it. It's not That's like a good question. And as somebody who can't figure out what what a bitcoin is <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it tried many times with friends and others to understand it and uh, what blockchain does uh, i'm and, shocked and i so even know the word so cryptocurrency I won't, I won't venture any comments about what <laughs> what can come of it i just know what i hear from experts and others uh, about how it can be utilized what do you think of the battle this week in the uh, in the papers or more accurately in 2017 2018 uh, on the internet uh, and Twitter uh, between the leader of North Korea and the president of the United States as it, when it comes to nuclear capability? Um, look, I think the North Koreans, uh, and he, he has been a manipulator of the press, he's, he's uh, obviously taken resources which are desperately needed by the people of North Korea and invested them in his ballistic missile and nuclear program. And the fact that he talks about a button on his desk that uh, can hit the you know, launch attacks that can hit the United States or almost all parts of the United States, it tells you what the nature of the enemy is. And I think the you know that the only language he understands is a tough response. They've gotten away with it for too long. That where we uh, you know uh, we may carry a uh, use strong language, but our stick has been very weak. They have to understand that, that for anything that they threaten us, we can do much more. And that's exactly the truth. And we should have taken stronger action against them. I mean, it, it only escalates. The cost escalates the longer you allow these kind of dictators and terrorists to build up their infrastructure and to, to look like they can you know, stare down the United States. It's funny because with all the outrageous comments that the president sometimes come up, comes up with or outrageous quotes, this one is actually not that outrageous. It's important for the world to remember uh, American capability in this area and especially those who are in 
North Korea. Finally, this article this morning, uh, New York Times, Israel's offering a stark choice to tens of thousands of African migrants in the country agree to leave, leave voluntarily by the end of March with a plane ticket and a grant of $3,500 or face possible incarcerations. Th- these people got to Israel for what reason? For employment? Yeah, these are economic refugees, not political refugees. And, yeah, that, that I got right. And the uh, and, and do they do they in fact take the government up on these offers? Has this been a successful program, or it's just starting now? There have been uh, many. Some of them have been there for many years. There are people who have a variety of opinions about it. But but you know, Israel is a small country, and uh, until they put up the fence in the Sinai, which uh, <clears throat> along the border, people were crossing the border all the time, thousands and thousands of people, uh, not those escaping political persecution, but talking about economic refugees. And they've created a, a whole sections of South, southern Tel Aviv, and the people resent it. There's been a, a lot of backlash about it. So this is a humanitarian approach saying that, look, we will, we will give you money. There are those who, who object to it, obviously. Uh, but this is... Um, uh, but people do. Some people have accepted it, accepted the the payout and the the ticket. And if their countries from which they came now are are more stable, they they should go back. If that's uh, the intent, I think you will see it in Europe eventually too. That they cannot continue to sustain it as it is. It's interesting because uh, when when these types of proposals have been made in the past about paying people to leave Israel, they've been met with tremendous criticism. But I guess when it comes to people who are originally from Africa, it's a different story. No, that it's no. The, all the criticism was about right. Africans all along, and it, the question is where are they coming from, and, and what is the reason? These are you know. Oh, Israel. I was I was alluding so, to the fact that when when Israel when it was proposed that Israel might offer uh, those who would be comfortable in other Arab countries, they'd offer them grants to leave. That 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 came under well, fire. Some have been offered asylum. Israel, you know, I remember when they took in a hundred Vietnamese refugees, when they took in a boat people. They they have taken people all along into Israel, including treating Syrians and and others who then went back home, right. um, or but but Lebanese, if you remember from southern Le- uh, Lebanon, who had cooperated with Israel, were taken in and lived in Israel and were given homes and absorbed. So Israel's record on on reaching out and reaching in, there are people who are critical of of these decisions and on humanitarian grounds, and there've been you know demonstrations for them, and the people themselves have demonstrated that they want to stay in Israel, but a, a country has laws, and the laws have to be adhered to, and they, the laws have to be, you know, rational and and caring, and I think Israel's record in this regard has been very strong. Oh, one, one, one more last thing. You heard about the seal from the uh, First Temple era? Uh, absolutely. And and for those, again, who have, don't this Shabbos, speak to their kids. Look it up. The Jerusalem Post, others had big write-ups about it. Uh, Reuters even wrote it up about the seal that says the governor of Jerusalem, the reference to the governor of, Jeru- of Jerusalem. Uh, it's uh, 2,700 years old. Just go and talk about it and say to the kids, you want to know who's got the claim to Jerusalem? You want to know the truth? It's not at, on 1st Avenue and 42nd Street. Here it is in this little piece of clay, this clay seal that they found, and to talk to them about it. You don't have to be an expert. You just read the article. It'll give you enough to have a very good discussion tonight at your Shabbos table. Phenomenal. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. 
Good job, Mr. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update Fridays at JM and the AM. Next Friday, I, I'm with uh, Kids of Courage out in Phoenix, but I am planning on uh, waking up extra, extra early in a very early time zone so we can conduct the weekly update and uh, analyze the news of the week. So uh, everybody make sure to be tuned in and spread the word. Tariff Shop is Parsha Schmoes with candlelighting at 423 in the New York area. 423, your official candlelighting time. I uh, want to wish a mazel tov to the Gans and Siegel families, Devorah Gans and Shlomo Siegel of Staten Island. Devorah Gans of Brooklyn, Shlomo Siegel of Staten Island. They are a a recently engaged couple, and uh, very soon they will be a recently married couple. The wedding is coming up this week. Uh, Shlomo Siegel's um, off this coming Shabbos. And again, to uh, Rabbi and Mrs. Siegel on Staten Island and to the entire Siegel and Gans families, we say mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshash Shmos, beginning the second book of the Torah, the book of Geula, the book of our redemption. And one would think that our redemption ended with Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, our leaving Egypt. And the answer is, that was only the beginning of our redemption. Indeed, when Moshe at the burning bush in chapter 3 of this week's parasha says to Hashem, number one, who am I to take them out? And what merit, what schusim do they have? Hashem gives Moshe an incredible answer. The zelachos, this shall be to you, literally, the sign and the proof that it is me, Hashem, capital H, taking them out of Mitzrayim. When 50 days later, as the verse says, Ta'avdun, you will worship Binun. Fifty days later, you will come to this mountain. And at this mountain, the entire nation will serve Hashem by receiving His Torah. Remember, no other people ever claimed that the entire nation experienced prophecy. We're talking about several million people. Keep that in the back of your mind. Every religion claims to have had its prophet. You know something? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But no people have ever claimed, nor will have the chutzpah to claim that God spoke to the entire nation. We know that the prophecy of Moshe, that every word of our Torah is precise and holy because the nation itself experienced the second part of our redemption, which was Maimad Har Sinai. So we've taken care of why we need through Bishalach. We need Yisro and Mishpatim because this is 
the <coughs> presentation of the revelation at Sinai, and then we need Truma till the end of the book of Shmos, because this is the completion, says the Ramban, of our Geula, namely having Hashem move into the Jewish community. The Jewish community centered, living with God at the helm. And this was the ultimate preparation for going into Eretz Yisrael, where there would be this concept of living a life with Hashem at the center of our life. I'd like to share with you a very interesting idea that I saw in the Sefer Hamor Shabbatora by the late Rav Shalom Tzvi Shapira, who was in the Mir, who went to Shanghai, who came to Eretz Yisrael, and had the privilege of meeting with him several times in his lifetime. And he suggests a very interesting uh, concept and several proofs to substantiate this concept. And let us begin with the Mialdos. In chapter 1 of Shmos, so we're told that Paro's plan to ultimately Lo'alenu, destroy the Jewish people, was set into motion, and he has the midwives directed that at the time of birth they should cause, God forbid, the death of the children. What does the Torah tell us in chapter 1? Just the opposite. V'lo'asu, the Mialdos, feared Hashem. V'lo'asu, they did not do. Kasher diber aleya melech mitzrayim, as they were instructed, but rather v'tachayeno eshayulodim. Literally, they sustained, gave life to the children. What was their reward? Not only, as the Torah says, batim, that they were given, kuhuna and malchus, but take a look. Who are these miyaldos? According to the rabbis, <coughs> Shifra and Pua are none other than Mami and her daughter, Yocheved and Miriam. And who comes out of Yocheved, Moshe, and Moshe, who is Moshe Rabbeinu, taught us Torah. Moshe Emes, Visoraso Emes, the reward for Mesiras Nefesh is Torah. Avram Avinu, who inspired the Mialdos, according to the Medrash, on the Pasuk Vatachayeno, Eshayelodim, Avram Avinu, what did he do at the Akedah? He did Mesiras Nefesh, and how was he rewarded? It is called Har HaMoria. What is Moria? Says Rashi on the spot, teaching. This was the place that God said, I want the Mikdash there. There's going to be the emanation of Torah coming from this location. Why? Because of the Mesiras Nefesh of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu literally was ready to give his soul, as it says in the Shema, 
he was ready to take the soul of his son, giving up his soul on a certain level as well. And how is he rewarded? The place is forever called Har HaMoriah. There will be a third Beis HaMikdash built over there. There will be further Hora'ah teaching confirming the Sanhedrin that will be convened in the future at that place. All built upon the Mesiras Nefesh of Avram Avinu. In this week's parsha, the Zakenim, the elders that initially helped Moshe Rabbeinu, where the Torah says, um, when Moshe first comes and says those famous words, Pokod Pokadati, that Hashem has remembered them. But what happens, as we're told at the beginning of chapter 5, Moshe and Aaron <coughs> and the Zakanim at the very end of chapter 4 are on their way to Paro to deliver that famous message of quote, let my people go in the name of Hashem and what do we find at the very beginning of chapter 5 V'achar bo'u Moshe v'Aaron only Moshe and Aaron made it to the palace what happened to the Zakanim so Rashi tells you, take a look Chapter 5, verse 1, Rashi says that one by one the Zakanim were afraid to go and accompany Moshe. They dropped out. And as a result of their lack of Mesiras Nefesh, ouch, what do we find in Parshas Yisro? That when it came to who is going to accompany Moshe to the up the mountain, so what does the Torah say? That only Moshe went, and what happened to the Zakanim over there? Because they, quote, let Moshe down, let the Jewish people down, didn't have sufficient Mesiras Nefesh at going, at the time of going to Paro, Mido Keneged Mida, they were deprived of that additional level of Torah that they could have had at Sinai. But let's look further into the parsha. At the end of the parsha, when the, Moshe comes to Paro, and what's Paro's response? His initial response is, My goodness, the Jewish people are lazy, they're looking for, come on, all this Narishkeit. That Paro was saying that they're speaking of, we've got to make it more difficult for them, and they won't be busy with these thoughts of redemption. So what happens? The Paro increases the uh, amount of productivity, and therefore, because the Jewish people, unfortunately, do not live up to Paro's quotas. Take a look in chapter 5, verse 14. Vayuku Shotrei B'nei Yisrael. The taskmasters, the Jewish taskmasters, who don't produce, because the people can't produce as well, they get beaten on behalf of the Jewish people. You didn't produce, they get beaten. And how are they rewarded? Amazing. Let's fast forward to Parshas Baha'aloscha. There, when Moshe is told to assemble the first Sanhedrin, whom is he told to take? 
he's told to take from the Zakanim. And who are these Zakanim? The Zikne Yisrael, those are the ones who were beaten. Mesiras Nefesh yields Torah. In that case there, Ruach HaKodesh, inspiration, Sanhedrin, Torah. Let's move on. You have as well in the book of Yoshua, we're told that Rachav, what does she do? Rachav goes out of her way to hide Pinchas and Kolei the Moraglim, and she literally is Moser Nefesh by hiding them, lying to the authorities by keeping them alive. And what's the reward for her? Says the Yalkut Shimoni in Yoshua, chapter 2, os 9, that no less than eight Nevi'im emerged from Rachav. Once again, Mesiras Nefesh yields Torah. Now think about it. Mesiras Nefesh is probably one of the highest forms of service to God. How can he reward the person? By a couple of more dollars? Let's ask ourselves. Not only don't you take it with you, but there are certain things in life, the important things in life, you can't buy them. You can't buy nachas, and you can't buy sipoka nefesh. You can't buy the literally um, relationship with children, with others, and with a sense of satisfaction, which, and therefore, I'm going to suggest that just as the many examples we gave of the Mialdos, of Aramavinu, of the Shotrim, of the Zakanim, of Rachav, that Mesiras Nefesh yields Torah, which is greater spirituality, greater meaning, purpose in this world, a true sense of fulfillment, then each and every one of us can and must do more Mesiras Nefesh. Now, Mesiras Nefesh doesn't mean that in this very frigid weather, if you're not to go out, don't go out. Don't go out again. You know who you are. You know how close it is to the shul. You know if the conditions are proper for you to go out. If it's proper to go out, do. But if it's improper, don't. That's not the kind of Mesiras Nefesh that we're talking about. We're talking about Mesiras Nefesh of how you act with individuals. When, very simply, you are... Bolem, Bishas Mariva, the Gemara towards the end of Ksubos tells us that if you're silent at the time when someone is provoking you, there are times when unfortunately one's spouse is having a challenging moment and they're going to say something and you want to respond because at that moment you might be criticized and being put down and you know that you are right but you are going to do the right thing and that is you're going to be bolem atzmo bishas marivo you're going to literally silence his golden believe it or not that is a great moment of Mesiras Nefesh. You come home at night and you're truly tired because you worked hard. And after dinner, you'd love to do nothing more than to sit and relax. Forget about taking that remote in your hand. 
oh my goodness, and what are you going to do? You're going to say, wait me in a half an hour, because there's a shear tonight at 8 o'clock, there's a shear at 8.30, whatever time it is, and I'm going to go to the shear, and you're going to fight, and you're going to keep yourself awake, and you're going to learn some Torah, you're going to have a Chavrusa, that is Mesiras Nefesh, it doesn't have to be only on a grandiose scale, you're going to hear in your shul, unfortunately, condolences to somebody, they're part of your community, they're part of your congregation, but they're not part of your clique, you don't spend Shabbos lunch with them, and you don't go out with them on Motsoi Shabbos, but you will go to be Menachem, Ovel them, and that is once again a sense of Avas Yisrael, a sense of Mesiras Nefesh. So this week's parsha, which begins the book of our ultimate Geula, is teaching us that very important lesson that each and every one of us can emulate the Mialdos, each and every one of us can do in their own right Mesiras Nefesh. And what's the reward? Wow! You have to eat Hashem Alokecha, as we say in the Shema, and for you at Vorimo Eila. The reward is Torah, the reward is eternal. Ashrenu, Matov Chelkeinu. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. Schwebel, Sarf, and Levine. Mayadidus is the name of that one. Before that, you heard the uh, Anam's Miros done by Leif Tahor. Good morning, all. J.M. in the A.M. Friday, believe it or not. Yeah, it's a Friday. It's an Erev Shabbos. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everybody, who's commenting on our app. That's always nice to see the comments that people are uh, are writing. Uh, being in touch in that way. Much appreciated. Um, Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parsha Shmos, candle lighting at 423. Naomi Nachman coming up with Table for Two next. She'll feature a Gil Chovav, Israeli food journalist, Miriam Schreiber from Miriam's Legacy Tours, and Des Dahlia, dough master at Broad Street Dough Company, all coming up between 9 and 10. 10 o'clock, it's the Arab Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem and hosted by our very own Mark Zamek. 
starts at 10 o'clock Eastern time. An amazing way, no joke, really an amazing way to prepare for Shabbos. So make sure you are tuned in all through the day here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami. That'll start at 9 p.m. Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler is featured during Saturday Night Siegel. Uh, Matis has JM Sunday. Matis Wine Gas JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Court Report with Elliot Weiselberg, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday night. And as we've been telling you, a new Music Alert Monday. Shalsheles in studio Monday morning. New Music Alert Monday. Shalsheles in studio Monday morning here at JM in the AM. Looking forward to it. Um, Hask is Sunday night. HASCconcert.com. HASCconcert.com. It is essentially sold out. If you do want tickets for Hask, um, in all seriousness, for the few remaining tickets, probably $1,000 a pair. Contact the Hask office if you're able to uh, give that kind of contribution. But they are uh, essentially sold out for Sunday night. Looking forward to the big event and speaking to you from the stage of the David Geffen Theater. The Douglas Sokloff Experience. Doug was here this week. Pesach 2018 at the Westin Lake Las Vegas Resort and Spa. Information 1-800-826-5645. one 826 5645 To the web, SokloffExp.com. S-O-C-L-O-F-E-X-P.com for information. Sandy Shmueli and I want to wish a mazal tov to everybody at Wester De- Westchester Day School as they get set for their big dinner this coming uh, Saturday night, tomorrow night at the Westchester Hilton, Rybrook, New York, with MC Elon Gold. Information 914-698-8900. Want to take this opportunity and wish a mazel tov to Mordechai Kaplan of the Lower East Side of Manhattan. His ufruf is this Shabbos. And to Deborah and Elliot Kaplan and to the Kala Ariella, mazel tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Speaking of ufrufs, Looking forward to tomorrow at the new Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island when Shlomo Siegel of Staten Island has his ofruf for the upcoming marriage of um, Shlomo Siegel and Devorah Gans. Mazal tov to the extended Siegel and Gans families from all of us here at JM in the AM. A lot of great things happening, Baruch Hashem. We should continue celebrating Smachot. Speaking of Smachot, here's Yaakov Shweki. Let's say 
Yaakov Shweki, candle lighting at 423 in the New York area for this era of Shabbos, 423. It is, in fact, time to say good Shabbos with journeys at JM in the AM. Cause all your work is done. Gun 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com. On the NachumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. And I remind everybody, especially in the cold weather areas, stay warm over Shabbos if possible. (laughs) My gosh. Might be, a bit, might be a bit difficult. I want to thank those who've been donating to fjbunity.org, the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Much appreciated. They keep us going. To everybody who gave toward the end of 2017, and even those who've already given now in 2018, thank you very much. Give generously and keep us going each and every week at fjbunity.org. Naomi Nachman, Table for Two, comes up next. Then the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos program with Mark Zamek. Best way to prepare for Shabbos. That's right. We've got it here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Monday, it's a new music alert Monday with Shalshelis. Don't forget over the weekend, Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami. Matis with a live, as usual, edition of JM Sunday. This coming Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 p.m. for Court Report with Elliot Weiselberg, all the Yeshiva League sports. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Until Monday, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.